everyone. Welcome to Pigskin Pandemic featuring Kevin, Matt, and Ben. Just three of your everyday guys just giving their opinions on all the latest and upcoming NFL news. Things may get a little steamy or a little wild, but hey, it'll always be unscripted and real. Let's listen in and see what they have to say this week. Welcome to the Pigskin Pandemic. I'm your host, Kevin, and I have met and been with me, and we are going to be diving into the results of week seven, and we're going to look at um, maybe a few teams that, you know, after their games, uh, maybe the fans are going to be back on their panic meter again. We have some, some teams that were there last week. Uh, some of those same teams see if their panic meter went up or down. We got some new teams based on uh, injuries or how they won or lost. Um, and, we'll, and we'll also look at some of the week seven or week eight games um, going on next week. But first, uh, we're going to dive into some of the games that happened on week seven. Uh, one of the first, one of the games is, was the Thursday night game. Uh, it was the Giants falling to the Eagles 22 to 21. Sorry, Matt. I, I do apologize. Sorry, Matt. Um, I mean, it's all right. Watch Daniel Jones basically did count. it all himself. Um, he was, he was, tw- and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the Daniel Jones memes are hilarious right now guys out there in the streets um daniel jones was 20 for 30 for 187 two touchdowns and an interception but he also led the team in rushing uh four carries for 92 yards including the epic epic failure run of 80 yards where he just tripped over i don't know maybe it was that seam in the carpet that crept up in him in veteran stadium back in the day that he tripped over <laughs> Some of y'all older ones will get that. I, I thought that's why you said falling intentionally in the uh, setup there. <laughs> um, um, Shepard did lead the team with six receptions for 59 yards and a touchdown. Ingram also had six receptions for 46 yards. On the Eagles side, Carson Wentz was 25 and 43 for 50, 359, two tubs and a pick. Um, the running game, it basically was on the two quarterbacks because the running games were just putrid. Um, yeah, until that last play by Boston Scott where he uh, scored that touchdown. That was essentially like the uh, majority of the running back yards. Yeah, he had, he had 46 the, uh, yards with 12 carries, which, I mean, didn't really do anything. Carson Wentz had seven carries for 14 yards. Um Fulgham again, five receptions for 73 yards. Rodgers had six receptions for 85 yards. Um, it was – I thought that the Giants were going to pull this one out. It just – man, Carson Wentz led that two-minute drive uh, right at the end of the game and pulled it out at the end and – Leave it to the Giants to make one of the worst quarterbacks currently in football he... look like a god. I'm not saying that Carson Wentz is the worst. I'm just saying he's playing like it, you know. And so it just it doesn't surprise me whatsoever that the Giants coming in there, fairly well-rated defense, everything like that, would not only let them run the ball uh, on them a bit, but um, throw it around. 359 and yards. Just, is, I felt so bad watching Especially, that game out of one eye, you know, while watching the debate on the other. Just I felt so bad for Matt watching that. I was like, oh, they're going to – they're going to just do this to Matt again. This is just not right. Yeah. My sister buys shirts when they've done something. <laughs> so we had the, all, we also had the Battle of Ohio with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. The Browns pulling out the, the late victory, 37-34. For the Browns, Baker Mayfield was 22-28, of 297, five touchdowns and a pick. Um, Kareem Hunt was 18 carries for 76 yards. Um, Higgins had six receptions for 110 yards. And all the way down at the bottom somewhere, you had Odell Beckham, who was there, but he wasn't there. Um, and it was confirmed that he was the first quarter. Yeah, and it was right. confirmed that he tore his ACL. So yeah. year number two with Cleveland, 
ends in ends early again. Um, and I think that is the, I want to say this would be the fourth year in a row where he did not complete 16 games. Well, it, it's crazy too, because he got injured making a tackle. And I, I, if we were on video, you could see my air quotes of tackle <laughs> um, on an interception because it looked like he was like, I want to get hurt. Like it, and I don't think that's what's actually going on. It just was such a mm. ridiculous. No, he jumped because he jumped because he tore his ACL. He, he, when he was jumping, his he ACL was already was torn. torn at that point. Like yeah. that was, yeah. I, I I assure you, as somebody who's torn his ACL three times in the same leg, uh, I could yeah, I could buy that's that. exactly what he did. And then and then did not want to be back on. And you could see he was holding on to not put right, right. Uh, his leg back off down. to get. Like, I get you. Right, right. That I don't, I don't know that. I think he was running. He tore it. The pain, because the pain hits. It's hot and sharp. He leapt into the air. At that point, the play was already yeah. broken down, and he proceeded yeah. to cling so he didn't have to put his leg down. That makes sense. I mean, it's a shame for a guy that's had you know a lot of talent and a lot of wasted talent. Um, you know, between injury and 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 kind of knuckleheadedness. Um, but. I don't buy into the people who throw that narrative out there that Cleveland's a better team without him. Uh, but what I do buy into is the fact that I think that there is a uh, undue amount of pressure on Baker Mayfield and on that Cleveland offense to make sure that they keep him satisfied enough with the number of targets he gets mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So without him in there, there's a, there's a stress that's relieved um, from, from not having to feed that mouth. Um, they, but obviously they're, they're they're a worse talent offense without him, but they might be able to spread yeah. it around better for an entire team offense. Yeah, because without it, because I mean they, they certainly um, look like it. I, I I mean they put up thirty seven points without him last uh, uh, this past Sunday. Even though they played the Bengals, um, they did find Higgins, who was he had six receptions for one hundred and ten yards. So mm-hmm. I think that. Um, I think that they'll find someone to replace him. They've had to the past two years. Let's see what happens for the rest of this year and see where they go. Um, and they may they may circle back around later on in the show. We'll see. For the Bengals, though, Joe Burrow, again, they're living off of Joe Burrow's arm. 35 for 47, 406, three tubs and a pick. Um, they got – he had 34 of the uh, probably 80 yards, uh, not even – yeah, about 80 yards uh, of, of rush yards. He had 34 of those yards, and he was second in rushing. Um, Boyd had 11 receptions, 100, 101 yards with a touchdown. Uh, A.J. Green showed up this week, seven receptions for 82 yards. And uh, Higgins had five receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown. Uh, sometimes A.J. Green is up and down, but, I mean, if you take him for fantasy, good luck. We move on to the putrid game of the week, I think. There was two of them. It was the Eagles and Giants, and the other part of that putrid game games of the week was the Washington football team against, well, they played – I don't know who they played, really, because whoever came didn't show up. Um, we call that the Dallas Cowboys, where by the second quarter, by the time they looked up really good, it was 22-3, to three, and Dallas didn't do too much more after that. Um, Andy Dalton got knocked out of the game, but he was still – he was only 9 for 19 for 75 yards. Ezekiel Elliott didn't show up. He was 12 for 45. Um on the Washington side, um, Kyle Allen was 15 of 25 for 194 and two tubs. And Gibson ran up and down and all over. The, the Washington football team ran up, down, all through the Dallas Cowboys defense. And they definitely will be brought up later on in the show. Gibson, 20 carries for 128 and a touchdown. Glarn had seven receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. So, I'm not going to say that, you know, Washington is 
getting any better. It's just that they ran into a putrid team. I mean, they're just if as long as they can destroy everybody in in their in their division, they'll be okay. They may not win too many more past that, but at least that they they destroy their division, and I think that they can do that. Um, I did see, even though they had injuries across the front four, Washington still got after the quarterback consistently. And yes, Dallas's right tackle and left tackle were out. Um, their center is in and out of the game, in and out of games. Um, they're not right on the offensive line. Um, but I thought that at least the Dallas defensive front would do the same to Washington, and they, they just couldn't do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you could, you could absolutely call them the, uh, the Alice Cowboys at this point because no there's absolutely D. no D in that, in that team. Um, that they, uh, for, for, a, for a division as bad as the NFC least has been, um, the Dallas Cowboys defense by far and away is the worst unit in that entire division. And, and that is certainly saying something, you know, they put up a hundred, they put up 142 uh, total yards. And, and, and the other part of it is it's not like it's, well, they're going to get this guy back or that guy back, or, you know, this is going to happen. Like there's no answer. It just seems like scheme wise, nothing works. Buy-in wise from the team, nothing works. You know, they're moving pieces out now. They traded, you know, Griffin away for a, a you know, box which was dumb. And soda which was dumb, by the way, to, which to, was dumb. I'm going to go on record by saying it. I, I mean, listen, you know, at some point it, it doesn't hurt to cut bait and, and, and move on and trim fat of your salary and all that kind of stuff. It's You're not getting any value, but, you know, to me what that message probably is is they're, they're trying to send a message to their locker room. They're trying to say – you know, if, if you're not buying in, if you're not getting on board, you know, you're, you're expendable. And, and I don't know why you wouldn't necessarily want to send that message because although in that division, you're still in the hunt, obviously, like we talked about in the last show, who cares if you're in the hunt in that division, because you're going to get into the playoffs and get, you know, absolutely blown out by whoever from any other division, you know, is there. So, you know, winning that division, like Matt mentioned last week, is is just a paper champion at best. Um, so yeah, if I'm Dallas, I'm I'm concerned about saying, how do we right this ship right now to try and build you towards can't. something for the future? And a guy like Griffin is probably not it. You can't. You can't. So you know, I don't. I'm not going to criticize the move too much. It's just also not going to be a move that's going to make them any better. I mean, I do have. The one thing that you never want to do is you never want to go in. I guess the, the, for a defensive coordinator, if you see that you have a certain scheme and the players that you, you're looking at your players and your players don't fit that scheme at all in any way, shape, or form, you have to make changes with your scheme. You can't make the players yeah. – you can't, you can't make the players – fit your scheme you have to fit the players your scheme has to fit the players and it's not the other way around without question that's that's what that's what bad coaches do and i've, I've lived that life in miami and nolan which, you know and, forever. and nolan so yeah inherited a defense that is four three driven because you know especially in the linebacker area where their linebackers are small and if, but didn't they bring in Griffin this they year? Did. As but the they, guy to fit that speed? Minnesota never played a three-four. They all see. Okay, so I'm gonna take a pause right here. So, one of the things in the three-four defense that you need to have are two things. The first thing that you need to have is you need to have a nose tackle that can eat up two blockers. The second thing that you need to have is you need to have linebackers, especially your middle linebackers, that are big enough to take on blocks for the guards. They have to play the run. And a lot of times the four three linebackers are built for speed because they don't have to take on 
the, the, the blocking guards down the field. That's why you have those two tackles. If the two tackles take care of the two guards, now you're just in the center. You're, now you're just playing space. Well, in 3-4, you have to shed those guard blocks because they don't, the guards don't have anybody in front of them to block except for the, the linebacker that's in front of them. And they have very small, very light linebackers. And they don't have – Everson Griffin is not a guy that can eat up enough space and eat up enough guard center play to where he can penetrate. He can't do that. They're not big enough. They're light on defense. You're, a 3-4 defense has to be – this is why Pittsburgh had so many problems and they started changing to a 4-3 because they were drafting light linebackers. You can't have that. You have to give up something. That's why the Patriots don't have any speed on the, in the linebacker area because your linebackers have to be a little bit bigger, 255, 260, to eat up those, those big, huge guards that are coming after you. And right now, they don't know what to do. They have a guy um, who, Jalen Smith, who, who has he struggled at the middle linebacker position being the mic, he struggled. So if he can't recognize what's going on on offense, your your whole team is your whole defense is going to fall apart. And that's why they took him off and put him at the outside linebacker position because he couldn't handle it inside. And then they have Sean Lee, who's yeah. always out. Vander Esch was out. Now he played Sunday, but he's not built for three four either. And at some point, you go, okay, so we have to try something different. What what is the problem? You're the problem, Nolan. And I think that it'll be he'll, he'll be one and done unless they change back to four three because Mike McCarthy doesn't care. He doesn't care. No, he doesn't care three. about defense. He just wants to score points. You you think Nolan's going to be one and done, or McCarthy's going to? be I think Nolan's going to be one and done. I do too, for sure. Yes, you because think McCarthy survives. The offense has the capabilities of putting up forty points a game. That's not his fault. He's an offensive guy. He's going to put up forty points a game. They have the weapons to put up forty points. Let me make this argument. He was a McCarthy decision to bring in. You know, McCarthy is there to replace Jason Garrett, who was also an offensive guy, but who had seeded his you know, offensive capabilities to Kellen Moore. You kept him. So at this point, what are you seeing on that offense that you're accrediting to McCarthy and not to Kellen Moore versus his quote-unquote leadership and his decision-making and who to bring in at the coaching positions? When your defense gives up as many points as they do and as many yards as they do, the offense has no margin of error. They have no room to – they have to play perfect football, which means they have to score every time they get the football. This is what Green Bay's problem was. Green Bay would get to the playoffs, and then the team would just hop on and just put 41 on them because their defense was so putrid. And if they, if they did a if – if their drive stalled, you couldn't trust the defense to win the ball back. And this is happening in Dallas. And so when you look at that, you go, okay, so what's the problem? Is it McCarthy or is it the coordinator? So the first thing that has to go is a coordinator. Get a new coordinator in. One that can now reshape this defense. Because remember, maybe a year or two ago, the defense is what they hung their hat on. Good run play, good offensive line, good defensive line, speedy linebackers who were fighting and getting after the ball. Their secondary wasn't all that great, but they did have Byron Jones, and they hung their hat on that. But now they let go Byron Jones. They, you know, they did get Trayvon Diggs, but yeah. And if you're not sure of what you're doing, even as a rookie, if you're not sure of what you're doing, you're going to be put in positions where you're just look. You just look lost. So is it Mike Nolan not putting his players in the best position? Absolutely. Because they just – 
they let Washington stomp all over them. Now, granted, they do have they have injuries upon injuries across the offense as well. You're down two quarterbacks. You 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 your offensive line is beat up. It's in shambles. Ezekiel Elliott can't run. I think he only had what did he have on on Sunday? I think you said he didn't even have any. He didn't have nowhere close to that. He didn't have anywhere near that. He had twelve carries. Like from scrimmage, he had he had twelve carries for forty five yards, and he had one catch for six. That's it. And and you look at that and you go, "Well, what happened?" Well, Washington's defense happened. They sacked Andy Dalton six times. Yeah. Six times. And so that's bad. So we'll see. I mean, their yeah. their schedule, I mean, they got to play the Eagles again. I think they got to play they got to play the Giants again. Um and so we just have to look at what they what are they going to do to salvage this season. The season can still be they can still win the division at 2 and 5. <laughs> Yeah, like we said, the division at two and five. Yep. We're moving. So there were a couple of games that were nail biters. The first one was the Falcons and the Lions. The Lions with the come from behind victory over the one and six Falcons. Um, Staff. I mean, just could anything be more Atlanta than losing the game on your running back not scoring the touchdown that he needs to not score? It just. It's 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 like bizarro universe that like that is how that game ended, and it was like we talked about it going into the game. We said these two teams just continuously managed to find a way to lose. How is this game going to end in anything other than a tie? Right. And it almost and, ended and in Gurley a tie. He looked putrid. He looked, and he is Todd Gurley is just after that after his injury and after the Super Bowl and after all of that. He is he is just a regular running back. I can't even put him in the top 20 mm-hmm. anymore. I can't even do that because he's just that bad. Um, Matt Ryan did his job, 31 of 42, 338, but he only had one touchdown, all those yards, one touchdown. Julio Jones did his job, 8 for 97. Calvin really did his job, 5 for 69 in that one touchdown. Um, there are players on defense that did their job, but you lose to the Lions, and now the Lions are sitting at three and three. And when you thought that Matt Patricia's job was, you know, uh, uh, taking heat, the way that you take some of that deflection off is you play a team like the Falcons and you beat them. I get it; it was by one point, but you still beat them. Well, and I'll tell you that era, that that three and three is an arrow up three and three in that division comparatively. Because do you have any faith that that Chicago is not just going to start to free fall and tumble? I, I think that Detroit's definitely going to be number two, and probably. But like Chicago keeps holding on week in week out. I mean, granted, not this last week, but uh... but right, right. But they when you look at the Bears' schedule, the next. They have the Saints, the Titans, the Vikings don't count, the Packers. They got to play the Lions. When you look at that schedule, it's like they could lose to the Titans. They could lose. They They can lose to the the, they can lose to the Saints. Lose to the Titans. Now you're sitting at um, what are they uh, five and two? Now you're sitting at five and four. And now that's what I'm saying. Then, you know, Detroit, you know, squeaks out another win here or there. And before you know it, Detroit's in number two spot in that division. Out of control. And that has nothing to do with the quarterback play. It's just how the team is built. The team is not built. So it's not built to win that division. And unfortunately, you know, the Lions could seize the moment. Now, will they? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think they'll seize it as much as they'll end up number two, but it'll be a very distant number two to a Green Bay team. I don't know. I mean, the Vikings are just 
they're just putrid. They're tanking. They're tanking for Trevor. Yep. And um <laughs> and and news is is that Trevor may stay. He's thinking about staying. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but the, the Trevor may stay thing is, you know, a lot of the rumor I'm hearing is that that's coming directly from the fact that it's looking right. like it's going to be the he Jets. He don't want no parts of He doesn't want any that. Wasn't it Robbie Anderson, I think, who came out and told him to stay in? I believe that is what I saw, yeah. <laughs> And, and listen, you can't you can't blame the kid, and you can't you can't blame the like I say. The only exception to that being that if you if you believe any of the smoke behind the Dabo wants to move up to the NFL conversation, I could very much see Dabo and Trevor coming into the Jets together. But if Dabo's decided, no, I'm sticking it out here because I'm a god in college football. Why would I leave? He, he, um, then yeah, I think I think you're gonna see Trevor 100. percent Trevor gonna be like, can I have? Yeah, I don't know if that's the best idea. Trevor's gonna be like, can I have that fifth year of, of of eligibility, coach? I want to stay more, two more years. <laughs> that's that's a great year until he real until he tears his Achilles or something like that and realizes yeah. he just threw yeah. away millions of yeah. dollars. Even yeah. even though he even if he goes just, to the Jets, well, sometimes Sam Donald's gonna go play somewhere else. You know, like he's got to go out there and ball wherever he ends up. Like even like look at Baker Mayfield. Like Baker Mayfield came in. And I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's some sort of like uh, clone or on the same level or whatever. I'm just saying here's a guy who was the number one overall pick. He came into Cleveland, a uh, team in very similar straits as the Jets are right now, and he kind of made it his thing to to turn it around, to go in there and start winning and stuff. Like it. If if it's very true, and, and a lot of times these 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 you know stories come out because it's their way of kind of trying to soften the ground for an Eli Manning type situation, you know, to say uh, you know, hey, I'm not going to go there. Though. Eli Manning is like football royalty in a way, you know, like you're not talking about the same thing with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to come in and have that same sort of like leverage within like the NFL or respectable organizations. It's just sort of. That's fair. I think I think he'd be wise to come in. Take take all the money. If he's going to be number one, take the money. Come in there, get that giant check, get that giant, you know, uh, for a rookie anyway. That uh, giant, you know, uh, guaranteed. Well, listen, uh, you know what he can do. Oh, listen, Here's I, what he could do. I don't think he really with could you. do. He could essentially go in and say, "Nah, I'm going to play next year. Play the now if." if if there's a preseason, he could go in and play the preseason and go, you know what? I am going to sit out the season so that I can train for the NFL and not play. And he'll still go number one. Unless he gets, oh, well, maybe. Maybe. You're saying he pulls like what, um, that's what What's-His-Face did, the defensive Chase Young. End, um, Chase Young did that, did he? Uh, clown. Yeah. The only, I mean, at the end of the day, though, Basically. you have to remember, like, like life still happens too. Like, he could get hurt just doing nothing. You're so right. I, I just, right. to me, to me, the smart thing is you step in, you take your millions and millions of dollars, you set yourself up for, for life, and then worry about where you end up at the end of four years, and not for nothing. Um, I can't think of a if, if I had to go to a crappy team, the Jets would be the one that I want to go to, and here's why. Just let me uh, get through this before you guys. Uh, you know, find reasons to poke holes in it. Because with the Jets, no. once you're once you're like a malcontent or you're you're done or you're ready, they they let you go. They they trade you away. It's not like other teams where like there's these long protracted arguments where you're stuck there or they're just willing to hold you out or they they let you they let you right out. I mean, and look, they've got a history of it. Adams and all these other guys. So I mean. That's fair, but, but a lot of that I think it has to do with Gase, and there ain't no way Gase. You is know what? Yeah, but they come out if Gase if Gase is fired, and there's a coach that is that is up and coming, and that could give him a chance to build, and is looking yeah. to right the ship. He'll come out. He's not coming out right now because he's thinking about not coming out right now because Gase is the coach. But if Gase gets fired, he'll change his mind. He'll change it quickly. He doesn't want to play for Gates because he sees the monkey show that is and, there at, at in New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, that's that's my that's my next that's my next theory on the Jets and Gates because we've been talking, you know, since like week one 
how have they not fired this guy is uh, the, I think that they're not firing him because they want that first pick. Like they're afraid that if they bring in, you know, Raheem Morris <laughs> on their staff, whoever that is, I guess maybe. Yeah. That they'll start to win. And, uh, and well, you know, screw themselves year, out of that number one overall pick. His job was saved because of, there was one team that he beat. And I want to say it was the Bengals. And it saved his job for the rest of the season. Well, they, they started to look good at the end of the year, and they, they got a big pass because they said, oh, it wasn't fair. Darnold got mono, and he was out for three or four weeks or whatever it was, and you know, that, that they had injuries and Le'Veon Bell took a long time to get involved in the offense and like all this, they, they made all kinds of excuses and said like, when you look at the end of the year, they, they, they finished the season, you know, looking so positive that, you know, Oh, look, everything's going to be sunshine and roses going into the next year. And, and then, you know, happened. of course that did not happen. <laughs> so we're going to move. Oh, yeah. um, this was the, Pretty much, this was billed as the game of the week. Uh, this, the five and O Steelers went into Tennessee and beat the five and O Tennessee Titans twenty seven to twenty four. That game should have went into overtime, except the Titans, uh, the Titans kicker, old reliable missed Gostowski. the field goal at the end of the game to maybe tie it so they can go into overtime. Um, they definitely held Derrick yep. Henry in check. 20 carries for only 75 yards. A.J. Brown, though, uh, six receptions for 153 yards. He definitely torched that, that, that Pittsburgh secondary. Um, ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I was really good at having that one just as a yep. football fan. That would have been some good overtime football. Because, I mean, they were – they oh, were yeah. the defense was flying around. They were hitting hard. It seemed like – an AFC North rivalry game, and it it was it definitely at first it didn't look like it was going to mount up to anything because I believe that at halftime it was twenty it was no, twenty four to seven, and how it happened was that um, there was some turnovers, um, and Pittsburgh just got the ball and. Some of the kickoff returns, some of the punt returns were just monster oh, yeah. punt returns. Put them in good field position. Well, P- Pittsburgh imploded a little bit yeah. in the middle of the third quarter. They yeah. they just you know yeah. they threw two picks, one of them in the end zone. Yeah. You know, so that was a, a fourteen but point swing. They, but off of those you turnovers, know, they could they, only score they, ten they just, points. They, and they kind of it, it did mount their comeback. It yeah. did because it bre- it was breathing life into the Titans. <laughs> And the next thing you know, they're there at the end. And this is why it's a 60-minute football game and not a 30-minute football game because if it was a 30-minute football game, then the Titans would have been blown out the the stadium. Um, But, again, Ben Roethlisberger was 32 for 49 for only two. He he completed 32 passes for 268. My favorite part of watching that was seeing Ben Roethlisberger at the end when he, they missed the kick. His face, he was so absolutely sure that he was going to make that he kick. He did not want them to go to That overtime. thing was going overtime. He, he was going to lose. No, I mean, like his, his face just told every bit of that story of, yep. man, I just dodged the biggest bullet because yep. they have all of the momentum right now. Yep. I have been yep. imploding for a quarter and a half and – that you know, overtime you never know because certainly it's you know it's coin flip and all that kind of stuff. But you know, you could tell from his yep. reaction he, threw, he was he worried about going picks. to overtime. Um, also threw two touchdowns. James Conner had twenty carries for eighty-two yards. Uh, Juju had nine receptions for eighty-five yards. Um, it was an offensive. It was an. Uh, we thought it was going to be exactly what it was. All, uh, down to the wire. This is why they were five and zero teams, yep. and that was probably yep. the second best game of the week. Um, outside of the game that I'm going to talk about right now, which was the Cardinals and the Seahawks. The Cardinals once again 
beat the Seattle Seahawks 34 to 37 in overtime. Um, this game, this game was something to behold because. Well, it was another one that was a tale of two different halves. You know, the, the first half, yep. it looked like and Seattle was going to walk away wrong. with that thing. They could do nothing wrong. And then in the second half, you make your adjustments, yep. and it's just, wow. I mean, they made Russell Wilson throw three picks, and that hadn't happened all season. Um, <clears throat> and the one in overtime was about the worst was, pick I can remember just, him throwing. Man. And and then and very very he uncharacteristic. The, he threw of the pick. Very. And then they turned around and couldn't convert. Russ gets back on the field and they couldn't convert. And I'm like, man, this is and this is the same defense that Russ carved up in the first half. And I went, man, what was the adjustment? Tyler Lockett went off. Fifteen receptions for two hundred oh yards. Yeah. Um, DK Metcalf. Definitely, if Daniel Jones was the butt of the jokes, DK Metcalf was that was the play of the year. And I don't care what other play that you do, DK Metcalf made the play of the year because I believe that Buda Baker runs a 4 3 40. Yeah. And he had, I want to say, a 10 yard head start. On DK Metcalf, you're not. Well, the coaches are on record that they, they, he's he's said uh, on that team, which has a lot of team speed, on the that team. Buda Baker is the fastest on the guy team. on the team in actual Hands football down. speed. And he yep. and DK yep. walked in, walked in. Yep, he he, I, he ran him down. It was it was and impressive. Walked him in. Over 22 miles an hour, according see, to the stat that I saw. But see, yeah, I was going to say the next ten stat on over 22 60 yards, because I believe that he got tackled at the 20 yard line. Buddha Baker had ran 80, but by the time, because I believe that in the on the play, Metcalf started in the end zone, so he had already started almost 20 yards behind yeah. him, and he still caught him. One, you got to keep in mind that, that it was right. it was after they had all run a play already. So you know where it started that off. Was, you know man, at the beginning was, of the play. That was pro- this game was this was it. It definitely was a this. I mean, I was just sitting back like I turned the game off because I'm like, ah, eh, see, I was going to win again. Yeah. Came back in the middle of the third quarter, and I'm like, what? What is this? So I had to watch it all the way through. Um. Kyler Murray led the team in rushing yet again. Um, he had 360, he had 360 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, Hopkins had 10 receptions for 103 yards in the touchdown. Um, I, I just, I can't wait till they play again. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great game, great division game. And you got to look at that division right now as probably being the best division. Rams are definitely top um, to bottom in football. Starting to round, round out. They're trying to, they're, they're starting to round out. San Francisco put on a few wins. Um, It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And they have now extra teams going to the playoffs. So maybe everybody in the NFC West goes. Yep. Yeah, you, you could definitely see three teams um, coming out of the division for sure. <laughs> they went into New England, and uh, I don't even want to say that they beat New England. I just can't say that they beat them. Um, as a as a as a New England fan, oh, I I, this was a, this was a total embarrassment of a game. Um, and here's the. So here's the here's the funny stat of the of 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 the week, okay? Cam Newton went nine for fifteen for ninety eight yards, right? So he had six incompletions. Half of those incompletions were interceptions because he threw three because he threw 
because I saw these one now, of them listen, that I didn't know that were, were there were tip balls. Um and you know what else? Here's what else I found out. So they kept saying this over and over and over again. When he first of all, they found out that Cam Newton has a struggle throwing to his right. And as a right-handed quarterback, that yeah. should be the side that you throw to the best, but he cannot. And what they what they showed was Cam Newton's toes were pointed the opposite way from when he's throwing to the right. So his toes are pointed to the left. How that happens or how you do that, I, I just have no idea. But that footwork, same footwork that I was telling you guys over and over last year and the year before and all that stuff, it's just not there. It's just not there. And all they're doing right now is saying, I want Cam Newton to beat us with his arm, and he cannot do it. Now, granted, the wide receivers for the New England Patriots right now are putrid. Our tight ends are the worst in the league. Our offensive line has is, is been banged up a little bit, but that's not – right now our offense is just horrible. And and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys got back your two rookie tight ends that were supposed to be the, you know, the saviors no. at the tight end position this year, right? I thought they got back um, the guy that's got the funny Asi, name, Asi, 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 Asi or whatever his name but is. But Dalton Keene does not play. He's like Damian Harris. Yeah. He doesn't play. Oh, no, actually. Right, right, I'm saying he was, they, they were activated off the COVID list. He did play on Sunday. He did. Yeah. He did. That's what I'm saying. And they still just, he's just, he's not that guy. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to definitely talk about um, the New England Patriots later on in the show. But just a quick question on that game for you, you know, to the eyeball, because I didn't get to watch it a ton. Um, certainly got to watch it with enough glee that I was you, happy course. for it. Um, but uh, the interceptions, of course, uh, the the interceptions that came through, like I say, I saw one was definitely just a deflection. But on, on the interceptions, even the deflection, are you putting no. it more on cam or more on the receivers? You know, because sometimes deflections can be on the quarterback if they're, you know, behind no. or too hard on a soft, you know, over the middle or, cam. you know, something like that. Um, so, the pure picks were on cam, though. Okay. If you're throwing with the wrong footwork, mm-hmm. okay. And uh, yeah, no, no. And I mean, coming his, up, his footwork is terrible right now. Looking, looking at their schedule. Do we lose you? One, uh, one, <laughs> two. I see one. Hmm. Well, the Patriots own the Bills, but the Bills haven't that. beaten the Patriots since Sean McDermott has been coach. But. No, I'm just saying, I don't know about that. If I'm, if I'm banking on that for this year, the Bills, you know, in spite of their struggles, they seem like they're, you know, at least a, a better team on paper, I would say. Four. Yeah, I, uh, I see them. But here's my other question. Two in, they're two and here's my other right question. Right? Is they... I see them with another. I see them with one, two, three, at least three more losses. At least. Well, I believe if we go back to the tape of last week and we were talking about our uh, our panic rankings, uh, I believe Matt said if the 49ers beat the Patriots by more than two scores, then we can revisit it. And I said they would. And b- just saying, <laughs> I'll explain my panic meter if they land on the if they land on the list. I'll explain my panic meter. Uh, it, it, I, I'll All explain right. it in detail. So those are the games that we kind of like zeroed in on uh, this past week. We're going to jump into um, – and the Rams beat the Bears 24-10. to 10. The Bears weren't even – they really weren't even in the game, um, and that's that. Um, we'll talk about the Bears later for sure, for sure. Yeah. So we're going to move to our next topic. And I want to talk about – some players that may be on the run for maybe 
a trade here or there. Um, and I want to jump, I want to go to a player in particular that I guess for the past couple weeks, he really hasn't been doing too much of anything. And he's a great player. But I think that if, I think that if a team needed him, which I know there's some teams that need him, especially mine, they should go up and go grab him. And that's one Mike Evans. Um, and usually with Tom Brady, if he's not throwing you the football, it's because you're not running the routes that he likes you to run. The way he likes you to run the route, you're not going to get the ball. And a talent like Mike Evans, if you're running the routes like he wants you to run them, then he's going to throw you the football no matter what. Um, and ever since Godwin has gone come back, you've noticed a spike in Tom Brady's passing yards. Well, Godwin's uh, back out, by the way. Yeah, that like he's out for like a week. I think. But I, f- uh, but they're they're. Um, but I feel yeah, like I'm not... he's getting he's getting a finger surgery or something. They said, yeah. And what I what yeah, I right, see, well, what you saw, Matt was you saw him running, kind of like a lot of dummy routes. And when you see that, it's one to protect the player because hey, in the background, I'm ready to trade this guy and I can't get him hurt. But I can't sit there and deactivate him because it's too obvious. You don't want to ruffle the feathers of the team. So right. he might be a surprise move off of the Patriot off off of the off of the Buccaneers because they have so many weapons now and they have Antonio Brown. So I feel like he replaces Evans. Um Godwin stays. Yeah, that, that Godwin stays. Mike Evans is the guy that's out. He's the odd man out. Because now Gronk is going to get Gronk is getting the ball. And I feel like, I also feel like Howard will be moved too. I think that um Howard OJ Howard. I think oh, that he'll be gotcha. moved too. Because there's just too many, they they stack the team so much now that you can't. You can't just get bring all these pass catchers in back and forth and back and forth. You just can't do it. And Mike Evans is a huge target. He will do if he lands with the Patriots. Let's say we give up a three or something like that to, for Mike Evans. Let's just say. Let's Fairly just say. Let's just say. Not saying he could yeah, go for a three, but let's just say they trade for him for whatever. For whatever the price tag is, they trade for him, right? The question is, does he belong on the Patriots? Does he add a dimension to the Patriots? Do they, does he make them better? The answer, the answer Without, is, on paper, this yes. season, <laughs> On the field, I say no, because you still have Cam Newton throwing the football. Yeah, but if there's one thing that Mike Evans is good at, as you know, was demonstrated by the fact that he played for several years with Jameis Winston, he can win the 50-50 ball on a guy who's just throwing it up as hard and you know far as he can. What Mike Evans is not good at, and and this has been the knock on him for a while, is he's not a precise route runner. He's not great at doing the little things that a quarterback like a Tom Brady wants you to do. Uh, to be able to to you know get open and and be reliable, you know as a target, he's a guy that you know he's out there to he's kind of you know playing old Plexico Burris yeah. type you know he's he's a you know throwing up for a fifty fifty shot, um, and listen that's something that you guys could use and that's something that a lot of teams could use and certainly something that a Mike Evans has proven that there's value there for that. Um, so that's why I say there's no chance you get him for no, a third, no, no. I'm just way. saying what there, I'm saying there, is there, I just threw there's about 15 teams that would line up I the first round pick for him, I believe, just to throw the pick out. But I'm just saying if he were to come, I mean, if I he were to saying. come to New England, I guess he could help Cam out going down the field. 
because he would be that, de- you know, the Des Bryant. You throw the ball up, you know, what is he, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, something like that, and you throw the ball up, and, yes, he can win the 50-50 balls. Um, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm looking it up his numbers right now. I can't imagine that his contract is tradable. He just signed a five-year extension in September. And by doing that, he freed up $9.5 million in cap space for the team, which means that that's got to be back-end loaded. So that means that that's got to be a really prohibitive contract to take on along with whatever the draft compensation is. Well, when you look at it, right, he would fit perfectly for the – Patriots because they're going to be on the bottom five of there's nobody that's going to be signed next year that makes more than eight million dollars nobody yeah and they are going to be probably uh, they are bottom five but I think they'll they'll be where Miami was this past year where they just have a boatload of money and they can sign players and they could take a back in they could take a back end loaded contract because guess what? We won't need him at that point. We're not gonna need him at that point. We need the help now. We don't need the help ten years from five, four or five years from now. And yes, his contract was five years, eighty two and a half million. With fifty five right, million 55 guaranteed. That's guaranteed. But you can always to 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 but that's not guaranteed up front. That means whatever team is taking that on is agreeing to pay whatever the, the guaranteed years are for the remaining five years. That's a lot of dead money to take in a guy that you don't know is going to be there for five years. Not necessarily because a lot of times you can, you can change, you can, you can, you can, um, there are a lot of outs in the contracts where, um, you can. Yeah, but not usually when you sign an extension, that's the whole point of the extension is you're, you're, you're basically agreeing to, you know, to be a, a member of that team with that extension. That's usually the way that kind of thing works. Like I say, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to actually find so, it here to see if anyone's talking about if he's tradable or not, but I can't imagine with the deal just being redone, that's usually not a good sign for a guy being traded. Cause I pulled it. He of that 55 million. 38 of that was guaranteed at signing. So you're looking at about another 17 in guarantees, right? Okay. Right. So 2020, his base salary is at 4 million. He restructured 4.3 million of that. Well, he restructured 4.3 million. His cap hit is 8.3 million. And his, this is this, this year. year. His dead cap is 21 and a half. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. That That's a huge number that Tampa Bay would have to take on by moving him or another team agree to take on in its full. But it just seems, it just seems unlikely with that kind of a contract. I mean, you know, you never know that those things always change, but. And then moving forward, his money goes to 16 next year. Yeah. Then 18. But. Yeah. We don't. So for us, if we're trying to go younger, it's okay to go at 16 because number one, if we keep Cam Newton. He's probably going to be around that price. He's going to be around that price tag. There's nobody on the team worth worth going above that. Um, I, I would just look at it. I would be surprised if he's there. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, again, you never know. But usually, those kind of contracts but that are prohibitive is, in that, that way. Is, uh, that is one guy that I want. I look at and say, well, why are they just? Why are they just making him run these routes where they're just not? I mean, they're just wasting money. He's just wasting money on the field, really. I mean, he's making eight million this year. Now Brady plays next year. He's gonna he's gonna be 
Um, the cap hit isn't as much, but the the regular cap hit is going to be 16. The dead cap goes down to 13. So if Brady plays next year and he still doesn't play, you're just wasting money. Either either way, you're either way yeah. you're screwed. You're screwed this year if you trade him because the dead cap is 21. You're screwed. You're screwed next year if saying. you if if Brady sticks around and he plays because your cap hit is 16. But your dead cap is 13. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's, it's very unlikely that they would move I think him. They, I would say. Well, if they don't move him this season at the trade deadline, they, they may move him on the off season. Yeah, that I because can see much more likely. Your cap hit because if you trade them by a certain time frame, you're looking at a three million dollar difference between cap hit and dead cap hit, which is big yeah. if you're trying to move him and he's not and he's not working out with Tom. But then Tom is gone in two years, so then you have to replace Tom Brady with somebody, and yeah, the replacements that they have right now is just. It isn't, and you're not going into the, and you're not going in, oh, yeah, they're, they're, you're not going into the draft, a dart throw but you're not going into the draft saying, hey, we need to, we need to draft a quarterback right now. You're probably not going to do that. Although, I mean, it depends on, depends on how Tom finishes out the year, I mean, but yeah. Let's say for, for all intents and purposes. I don't know that I believe that Tom Brady is coming back more than one year, but I think that point. he'll do it. I think that he'll try to do it again. I think he'll try to go run again, run it back. If they go to the bowl, let's say they go to the Super Bowl and they lose, he'll come back. If they go to the Super Bowl and win, he'll still try to come back because he wants to go try to do the back-to-back with another team. Man, I could see him trying to come back if he's, like, in the running for MVP at the end of the season. There's a lot of talk right now about him being, you know, with his numbers I, the way I can they see are. It. I can see it. Yeah, it's possible. I just I don't see him going away like is a kind of a la Brett Favre. I'm not saying that he's going to go bounce to another team and do it the way that uh, Favre did it. I'm just saying that Brady seems like one of those guys who he's gonna he's gonna have to be pulled away from the game, kicking and screaming. Um, he's either going to get injured to the point where he can't play again, or uh, his his skills will just diminish to the Could point be. where. You know, he's no longer able to. And and we've all been saying that, though. That's the thing. Everyone's been saying that. Not to say that his skills haven't diminished. It's just right now he's playing as well as he has in the last five years. I mean, okay, he's he looks good. So, Matt, who do you, who do you see on the block? Um, I'm sorry, for like uh, organizational? Uh, oh, um. I thought Evan Engram for sure, but apparently the Giants really aren't looking to uh, to move him. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing pieces of the Falcons go. Um, you saw Arthur Blank on the sideline there looking pretty frustrated. Um, I don't know that uh, – they're looking to get rid of Julio, but there has been, you know, those rumors that he's been looking to go, that he's kind of unhappy and towards the end of his career is looking to do something different. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'm necessarily saying, I think Julio is going to go. I'm just saying, I think that uh, if anyone's going to make a move soon, it's probably going to be Atlanta, Atlanta or Houston. Yeah. I, I kind of see Houston more, you know, only because of some of the, the conversation that's come out of Atlanta and the fact that they have put together a little bit of a, of a spark of, you know, trying to, to make some noise. Um, yeah. With Will Fuller, right. Wasn't that, well, the, you know, uh... so I mean, guys I see in Houston, very likely to get moved. The one is JJ Watt. Cause it makes all the sense in the world, except for the fact that it's JJ Watt. So he's, you know, so, you know, tied to that team in every way, you almost can't believe they would make an in-season trade for him. Um, but did you did you hear that uh, interview that he had after the game that uh, he was about as as uh, dismissive and and this was not like post game. This was like the day after you know 
contractually obligated, you know, radio show he does kind of thing um, where he just was right. a miserable curmudgeon a-hole, you know, to the, to the interviewer the whole time. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that he is really unhappy there. Um, and, and, you know, from that perspective, as far as sometimes you say, it's, it's doing right by the player to trade him to a contender, you know, so could I see JJ Watt getting traded to, I don't know, who's a team that would make a lot of sense, you know, maybe a San Francisco trying to fill in some of those pieces. Uh, let, me, let me cut in right here. I can tell you right now, Julio Jones ain't going nowhere. And here's the here's here's the reason. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that he is. I'm just saying I think I think Atlanta would be that team. His dead cap hit. Okay, (laughs) this is unreal. Well, yeah, he just resigned the deal. Cap hit is fifty nine million dollars, twenty twenty. Yeah. His dead cap hit uh, last year was $69 million. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for him, it would have to be something. Pocket change. It would have to be something where someone would do, you know, one of those clever, you know, sign and trade, you know, kind of deals or something. You know? And his cap hit next year is $38 million. And it's like, so how do you move a person whose cap whose cap it is more than somebody's contract total. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's, you know, going back to JJ Watt, his number actually does make sense. There's actually no dead money on JJ Watt. So how do you, so where does he go? It's just a matter of, well, that's what I was saying. You know, you, you, you got to think that they would only do it for a contender. Okay. You got to think that only a contender would, you know, want to bring in a guy like him that you say basically, okay, where's, you know, what's a team that needs a rotational guy who can come in and give you a spark and, you know, kind of fill in, you know, that kind of a role. That's why I say, you know, top of mind, I would say San Francisco because they've been able to find those kind of roles for guys before. Plus they obviously have some holes to fill with all the, you know, injuries they have. Um some other teams that, that could be, be that in be contention. That could be that, that would be monstrous. It would, but it, it also could make quite a bit of sense. Um, you know, another one could be Seattle. They've they've got a, yeah. a deficiency on yep. you know pass rush. He doesn't really fit their scheme, but then again, with a guy like him, you might say, could we just plug and play him yes. in as a pass rush specialist? type guy, you know, I don't know. It just seems like he's, is it going to be better for the team? If you waste him, get no value for him, he becomes a malcontent and, and just hates what's happening there. Is that better for the team than, you know, moving him on to a contender where he gets an opportunity to play for a ring like he wants to. I mean, he is the quintessential. If the Patriots were the Patriots of old, he would be going right. to the Patriots. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know who's, who's that team now. Baltimore, Kansas city. Kansas city. For sure. Cause I guarantee you, they are looking, they are looking across yeah, the city, sure. Bay thinking that that's going to be their competition. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I could see Kansas city making some sense. And you feel like they could rotate him in with you know the defensive ends um, they have there. There's some small guys out there. Some there's some there's some small guys out there. Uh... And then and then Houston. Otherwise, you know, I think you definitely could see Kenny Stills or Will Fuller probably between those two. Yeah. Kenny Stills just because he's older and has produced a little less. Um, you know, being a guy who you know could be shipped out for you know next to nothing just to clear his cap off the books and to, you know, get, you know, get him to some, you know, if Kenny Stills goes to uh, Philadelphia, you know, tomorrow he becomes, you know, the second best wide receiver, maybe, you know, arguably, you know, the first best, best yeah. you know, with, with Fulgram and, you know, someone's got to win that division. So if, if someone in that division says we want to load up to try and, you know, make a run, 
Philadelphia, it I think, makes, makes as much sense City. as anybody else. Uh, yeah. uh, in the Giants? Yeah, yeah, same thing. He also makes he sense in, in New England. He makes sense in New England. He'd be an immediate upgrade, you know, over all the wide receivers there in New England. Um, so, yeah, I could I could see him getting moved for a song, you know, getting moved for, you know, a conditional sixth or something. Um, you know, just a team that's willing to take on the dead cap space. Um, it's got to be somebody who doesn't mind the little bit of off-field stuff because yeah. he's one of the, you know, guys, yeah. you know, big on the protest and whatnot. So that seems – be prohibitive to New England, um, not necessarily prohibitive to not necessarily or, New England. I think that they um, kind of, you know, you do what you do, just as long as it doesn't distract the team. You do what you do. Um, I don't think that yeah. it would deter anyone from coming to New England. Um, I just think that. And I and I and I honestly think that's what got Malcolm Jenkins ran out of town, was the protesting. I really do. I really believe that. I really do believe that. I mean, he was old, and there were some other players that they could have moved out instead of Jenkins, because he was probably their best. I don't know. They're they're a pretty progressive minded team from I, the top down. I I think that he was making a little bit too much noise. That's just my opinion, but you know, um, but. I know that our show will on next week will include all of the uh up to date trade um all the all the up to date trades that happened that day and maybe the day before. So we're gonna dedicate next week's show to the trade deadline and how these new teams are gonna shape up. If there's a whole lot of movement, I believe that there's going to be some decent movement in the in the in the trades this year. There's really not a lot of movement uh, when it comes to the trade deadline for teams. Um, and even though it's COVID this year, I, I still think that players are going to get moved. Um, but you never know with the NFL. You never know. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised we haven't actually seen. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it happening right now. I was actually anticipating that we would see a lot of it starting right. this week um, because of COVID, because, you know, instead of waiting until the deadline, like it usually would, if you actually want to be able to get a guy in, you've got to give yourself an extra week essentially, uh, which would basically be putting it at this Friday. But when you're hammering out these Friday. trades, it's, um, it's, it's kind of tough because you're like, man, COVID, COVID's in the way. So I could see where it could delay because COVID's in the way and I could see where it could jumpstart and it can just happen really quickly because COVID's in the way. So I could see it going. I could see it going either way. I want to thank everyone for joining us on the Pigskin Pandemic Podcast. We are available now on Anchor, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you usually find your favorite podcasts. Please tell your friends, leave us any comments you have about the show and a five star rating would be great. Keep an eye out for our Facebook page, which will be coming soon. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, stay safe out there and vote. Okay, everyone, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget to join us next week as we hear more of the guys' opinions as they talk about the news on the NFL. Goodbye.